Welcome to the DevReady podcast, where we're helping non-techs build better tech. Today, we're joined again by Stuart Marshall. Stuart Marshall joined us on episode seven way back, uh, probably early last year, I believe it would have been, yeah, give or take. Um, Stuart's, uh, you can call him Mr. Sass, uh, commercial software strategist, has been in software 20, 30 years, I believe, um, building commercial software products. Um, now he's looking at helping SaaS entrepreneurs realize their software dreams. Um, it's a challenging space, and we're just here to talk a little bit about that and what uh, he's learned over the journey and just um, build some awareness around building tech pro- product. Stuart, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Andy. Thanks for having me back. Uh, it's a pleasure. So uh, what's the world of uh, SaaS look like at the moment for you? Uh, it's spectacular. I'm in the right place at the right time for once. Yeah, <laughs> two years old, thirty years in the industry, and finally yes. I'm in the right place. Uh, yeah, I mean it's, it's, it's a great world. Everybody is writing software. I know it's um, it's a good place to be in right now. Um, I think one advantage of being in tech is yes, everyone is doing something in this space right now or looking to. Um, yeah. And that brings a lot of challenge, right? So um, in terms of yeah, what we've noticed in the industry, yeah, everyone's jumping in, want to build their own product, look at how they might evolve the way they're doing business, different business models, um, the joys of COVID really, uh, the challenges we've had there, but people are starting to shift and think differently. What have you found over the past yeah, sort of 12 months in terms of the way people are shifting business models and maybe commercializing some IP? Well, I mean, so COVID has been an extraordinary gift mm. to our industry in truth uh yeah. for, for all the bad things of covid and <laughs> they are many mm-hmm. uh one of one of the things it has done is has forced digital transformation upon australia it has uh, there's been there's you know I, I i spent well whatever it was sort of 12 months trying to get into the mid-tier uh, and get them to do exactly the sort of things that they've been doing in the last 12 months mm-hmm. and there was a level of apathy and Kind of, uh, yeah, she'll be right. Uh, and suddenly now we've, we've got no choice. Mm. You know, you, you, the number of lawyers who, if you'd spoken to them this time last year mm-hmm. and said, you know, how do you feel about digital signing of documents? They go, no, nah, no, 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 we've got to have people in the building. They've got to come in, we've got to see it, blah, blah. You mm-hmm. know. It's amazing. You know, funnily enough, now you can do it. Yeah, of course it's you can. Like, <laughs> you know, happy, um, yeah. they're, they're just, yeah, oh. Well, look at the problems we've solved, aren't we? Good. Yeah. yeah. It, it, accountants it, probably had the same issue. I just got yeah, back from it, it, our it, accountant, and he and he basically said they now print, luckily, ten pages a week um, of paper. He yeah. goes, all they used to print off is reams and reams of paper, and the whole models had to change. And he finds that now they can work anywhere because of just those decisions that they've made and the way they do things differently. It's crazy. It is, uh, but it, you know, it, it's a good thing. It, mm-hmm. It's dragged us. Whether we liked it or not, we've been dragged kicking and screaming into the modern era, mm. and uh, the the old normal is no more. Quite what yes. the new normal will end up being is uh, still up in the air. But yeah, you know, I mean, the world's changing. We're, we're making the beginning to make the best of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it, it, the interesting thing about the SaaS world um, is that it was charging along, getting bigger and bigger at a, at a fairly sort of steady rate. Mm-hmm. It was about a 25-30% increase year on year over the last sort of ten over the last decade. And this year the, the numbers I've seen look like about a 50% increase. In SaaS product. In terms of a number <laughs> yeah. of products and uh, the amount of money being spent. Something I think 150 billion or 156 mm-hmm. billion or something like that mm-hmm. being spent on online software. Yeah, it's, it's a huge. big shift, isn't it? So it's huge. It's just yeah. a monster world. And then like the um, needed really to be able it, to operate the way we can because we can as well. Like mm-hmm. if COVID hit, say, twenty twenty five years ago, mm. oh yeah, what yeah. would have happened to more businesses that couldn't actually go online because there was no online to go mm. to? Oh, well, well, we wouldn't have had the choice, and we would have had a lot more dead people. Is yep. the reality? Yeah. We'd have, you know, we'd have shut down businesses at. Mm. Yeah, when we wouldn't have been able to do it. That's also yeah, positive. Isn't it? Even say ten years ago, it would have been a struggle. Even, even five years ago, it would have been a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, we've evolved but, so far with the um, but, <laughs> yeah with online and cloud and everything hosted offsite. And, yeah, I mean, as much as as much yeah. as we all bemoan the NBN, uh, <laughs> and, and, and pretty much rightly yeah. so. Yes. Um, the, the reality of it is that mm-hmm. had <laughs> had times been different, had we gone for mm-hmm. the 
the, the gold-plated model that we really wanted in fibre to every house, we wouldn't be in the position we're in today. So mm. um, they've been lucky, I think is the best way to describe that. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it's a nice yes. bit of luck. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a good yeah. bit of fortune. We're all, we're all better for it. But, mm. yeah, there's more to be done yet. Well, we'll have to spend some more money on that. <laughs> With um, that that big increase, obviously, we've been around the space for a little while, um, building tech, and you've obviously been at 30-plus years now, um, building tech. What are some of the challenges when people are investing that amount of money that quickly into an industry that can be a little bit um, up and down and hit and miss at times? Yeah. Um, well, look, I mean, the biggest problem that people, most people face is that they come into this industry with no knowledge of software whatsoever. Mm. And yeah, the, vast, the, the vast majority of uh, SaaS founders today are domain experts. They've, yeah. come, they've come out of industry. They've got a piece of knowledge. They've got. They've had an insight. They think, right, I can make some money. I can sell that idea. Mm-hmm. I can build a platform that will deliver a solution. A whole bunch of people will benefit from it. I can make a decent living. Yeah. You know? um, and they're not looking to to buy an island. They're not. Yeah. You know, they're not that sort of. They're not looking to be the next Zuckerberg. But yeah, you know, they, they think, well, I can make some money, make a living, and whatever it might be. And they they come into the business and with no understanding of the magnitude of the world they're walking into. Yeah, and, and, and you know, this is the value that people like me offer, and, and the same with the work that you guys do, that helping people understand that this is an expensive game. Mm. Yeah, it's not like opening a shop. We can open a shop in the high street and put some stock on the shelf, cost us 50 grand to get in, let's say, lease, <laughs> stock on the shelf. We open the door and we make money on day one. Might not be a lot of money, but somebody will walk in the shop, somebody will buy something, we'll make some money. In the SaaS world, we come into it and we sit down for six months and, and pour money into a hole. Mm-hmm. Without and, knowing if you're going to get out, right? <laughs> uh, and yeah. then we go to market and there's no guarantee that people are going to turn up. And, yeah. and if you get into the big spaces, I mean, you know, you get into the big markets, the CRMs, mm-hmm. the, according to Captera, there's now 4,000 registered CRMs or known CRMs. <laughs> That's a not very competitive space, is it? Let's build another yeah, CRM. Yeah. The mad thing about that was the last time I looked, it was 3,700. So 300 have been built in what, two months? A 10% <laughs> increase in the number of CRMs in, yeah. in a matter of months. Yeah, crazy, now, isn't I it? I mean, I don't think they've all suddenly been made, but they, mm. they, they found their way onto Captera. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, there's no no discussion point as to whether a CRM is valuable. I mean, it's the, mm. the, the math they talk about is something like for every dollar invested in using a CRM, you make five to eight. If you use it well, mm. so it's, it's a great market. Everybody can benefit, and you know, there's millions of businesses worldwide who'll have one. Correct. But yeah, you know, hang on a minute. There's four thousand of things. Mm. So who, who, if you're building one, who are you building it for? And, and that's probably you're solving that isn't already solved. Yeah, I'm guessing a lot of those are they're doing it for themselves, and then they think they can turn it into a product. <laughs> Potentially, oh, a lot of that goes yeah. on. And I um, think um, the. That's the challenge with online too. It's it. There can be four thousand real estate agents across Australia. And there's no issue with that. Um, but online, everyone can access it from anywhere, and that's the biggest problem. And then it all just ends up at a, a top end, and the top end gets most of the the pie, and then the little everyone else gets little little drips and drabs. Unless you're niching and you're doing something really specific, well, it's the tough. top end because the, the yeah. top end ends up yeah. charging for they do charge the lot, top end yeah. price. So only the big corporate can really yeah. get there. So you go for a top-tier sales force, you're not going to get every small business jumping into that. No, but then no. The, the, the thing is, though, that, that niching is the, is the crucial topic here. Because mm-hmm. if, if we're going to make some software, then we're, we're making it for somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, yeah. We should have a target, we should have a target mm-hmm. market in mind when we start building it. Otherwise, what are we building? <laughs> I was having a chat to someone the other day, and they basically said, um, I was in a client conversation, actually, and he asked the question, he goes, what's your target market? And the client goes, or there's a potential client, he goes, everybody. He goes, everybody, yeah, fall <laughs> off your chair. <laughs> exactly. And, and we're both shaking our heads. And he asked a pertinent question. He goes, granted, everybody can use your product. Um, however, if you're going to market this thing out, you cannot market to everybody on the planet. Yep. Who, the, who are you actually going to target and market to? That's a very different point. And I think, yeah, everyone gets a little bit lost in the tech space that, yeah, everyone can benefit from it. But that's not the way you market a product out. Yeah, even you us, can't market we have everybody. The, yeah. the same kind of issue. We say we can develop software for anyone, any any yeah. software for anyone. Yeah, it's can't an market issue. that. I can't no. tell that to people because that doesn't yes. mean anything to them. Correct. Yeah. Technically, it's possible. But also, in, in, in yeah. terms of the work we do in the development space mm. itself, mm. if 
if you're coming in to build software, then you mm -hmm. know, most people haven't got an unlimited budget. Most mm -hmm. are coming in and saying, well, I've got $100,000 I've got to spend mm. to get an MVP out the door and get some customers rolling in. That's my $100,000 budget. So, uh, and that's that's a tiny amount of money, right, in, in real terms. In this game, I mm -hmm. think people aren't aware what is actually needed, yeah, to build commercial product, <laughs> unless it's doing one little feature really well, but it's, it's big money, yeah. Yeah, and so you say, well, okay, well, in that case, if you're going to mm -hmm. talk to a target audience, mm -hmm. You better know every single thing about that target audience because that's the software you're going to make. You're going to make mm. something very specific for them. Correct. And it, the, you know, this idea of niching being a marketing thing is is, is true, obviously, mm. but it, it's really important in the software side of things when you're actually mm. doing the build because it's going to affect uh, my favorite topics of training, help, and support. Mm. Because that's the you're going to be focusing on an industry or a, a very tight vertical, something tight vertical or a very tight horizontal niche, whichever it is, and everything you produce has to support those people, and it has to use their language and be specific to them. So if you're not niching from day one, pretty much, then you're, you're setting yourself up for a lot of pain later in the piece. Mm. Uh, the niche drives your, your tech, right? So from a product perspective, you mentioned that domain experts generally come in. Um, what have you found when a domain expert's coming in in a specific area? I figure that would be a little bit easier to niche. What I find is some people just come in with ideas off the back of an industry they don't understand or an area they don't understand. I think that becomes really challenging. Yeah, it's just the problem they faced in it. Yeah, correct. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I've spoken to... You know, manner of people in the last 12 months um uh, and one guy no no experience whatsoever but built as a tech guy getting into mm -hmm. business and he built a platform to help recruiters ask questions of potential uh employees mm -hmm. and so well okay i did a quick search for him and found another hundred of them <laughs> uh, and said, who, who are you helping and he went oh well, I don't really, you know, I hadn't thought yeah. about that. Like, well, that, yeah, that, I mean, he was, he was a tech guy. So he was, all he'd invested was his own time and energy. Mm -hmm. But, and, you know, unless you have this focus, unless you know the problem you're solving, and it's my, my sort of standard first two questions for everybody is whose problem is it? And what is it? Name, name the problem and name whose problem it is. Mm -hmm. So if you can tell me those two, then we've got a conversation that we can start. Yeah, I think, um, I find the um, I find it a little bit interesting. There's like we're having a bit of chat offline where the main expert might come in and they've got a whole new world that they're opening up into from a tech perspective, um, and I f that's one challenge. But then you've got the tech person that just can build anything. That's another challenge because they just pick an area and just build something. Um, and I've seen that many a times. So where would you what, – what, how would you see it from closing the gap? Because you need both of those people in a room, really, um, to make anything work. And you have to be working off the customer. Um, you have to be uh, evolving the technology with the customer. I think that's a cleaner, smoother approach. And niching obviously helps do that because if you're building for everybody, you, your tech's just going to be pretty really bland and boring and then deliver very bland and boring results, really. Um, yeah, so how do you mould that and what do you recommend to people who are just tech or just domain um, experts? What should they be doing? Uh, practically speaking, domain expertise is where you start mm -hmm. because without without that, that core focus, without that core knowledge. So, I mean, it, it comes back to the, the three types of SaaS business, which is, you know, the, the, the horizontal ones like Facebook, Gmail, whatever, you know, these are very broad market things, millions of users, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, low value, low value, very high volume. Then you get the, the horizontal, the vertical ones, which are the the specific industry-specific stuff like uh, cargo-wise, Wystex cargo-wise, and Atlassian, mm -hmm. Jira, and Confluence, and so on. Yep. They're, yeah, they're relatively expensive to buy, and so on. And then you get this, what I refer to as the service SASs, Mm -hmm. which are the platforms that people are building to go above and beyond the delivery of software. So it becomes something wrapped around the software. It's not just a platform where people go on, interact with it on the browser and done it. There's more to it. There's a, you know, a greater product idea. Mm -hmm. And that's really the sweet spot for domain experts, mm -hmm. where, there, where there are services over and above. 
because that's what they know that you know th th this idea of a completely self-service model doesn't in, in practical terms isn't really what most people want most people want an outcome and a result and the software is just part of that answer mm -hmm. so when when you get the domain experts come in what need to do and what I try and what I spend a lot of time with them doing is understanding of the value proposition that they've got because when they understand the value then they understand how the sort of money they can charge for it because of the, the outcome it will produce and then they can get into a world where they can start to engage with technologists to say well here's where you fit into a bigger piece this is the piece of the story that I need you to make for me that then that's a much easier much easier path yeah it's the domain expert generally can solve problems i think uh, that's interesting how you look at it from a, a service technology piece um and sort of adding value from that perspective then it's not just technology right it's a business and it's a model and it's support um i think everyone wants the uh the the atm machine but the atm machine in reality is um few and far between really well, if you, but you think about it, 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 one of the one of the challenges that most software buyers face mm. is, is much, much bigger than a piece of software will ever deliver an answer to. Agree. Yeah. The, the, the software mm -hmm. is only. I mean, software is. Mm -hmm. You and I will um, both spout. You know, ad infinitum. It, you know, software is just an enabler. Yes, correct. It, it's, yep. it's a tool. Its purpose is to solve a problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's uh, I, I talk about digging sticks a lot. <laughs> yeah, we, we understand the purpose of a piece of technology, and let's take it back to its the simplest form we can pretty much find, which is you know a flint piece of flint or a digging stick, and it has a job. Its job is to dig, and the clues in the name, right? Mm -hmm. So the same with a piece of software. We make software to solve a problem, but those problems don't exist in isolation. They exist in the wider context of a business or an, an individual person's. You know, particular life, and the vast majority of the situation, people really just want the problem solving. So, mm -hmm. to actually make the software and implement it, and implementation is everything, right? Mm. Then we have to have training, help, support, um, boots on the ground if necessary, a whole series of things wrapped around the technology to really get the maximum value from it. The technology is just a, a, a part of a wider solution for most people. It's the same thing as the, the drill and the hole. They want the hole. They don't want the drill, right? And no one wants a technology. They don't even want the hole, right? Yeah. What they really want, the kudos from the wife yeah. putting the shelf up. Yeah. That's, that's where, so yeah, when you the follow outcome. the journey yeah, through. Yeah, follow the journey they through. They want the outcome. Yeah. What they really want is the wife back. Well done, sweetheart. Very yeah. good. I'll make you a Whatever cliche we yeah. want to go with. Yeah. Uh, and it's that idea. We, mm. we must, we've got to get beyond mm. the, the this sort of simplistic view. Mm. And I think um, that's a that's a good way to frame it because, yeah, the last thing I want is new self new software sitting on my sh machine that I have to interact with, and do something with. Um, and I think everyone has that sort of um, that sort of stickiness in terms of buying new software too, because there's new learning, there's new engagement, there's um, you have to invest time as a user. It's disruptive. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So, and I it's think we've all, yeah. it. Yeah, no one enjoys change. <laughs> scared to death of change. Yeah, but then if you don't... And, and we make it worse, though, right? Because we're, we're members of the, one of the worst industries in the world. In, in Thanks as for much, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I, we're in it together, okay? Yeah. It's all right. Uh, but we are, we're part of an industry that historically is over-promised and under-delivered. Oh, yeah, considerably. And, and continues yeah. to do so, right? Mm. I mean, I've spent my career trying not to, yeah. but yeah. undoubtedly I'm sure I've played yeah. my part here or there. Yeah. Uh, and so th there is still a great level of distrust. <laughs> I, d I did a, I had a chat with a guy, um, and he was his uh, CTO, roughly equivalent of a, a, a reasonably large business, 70 million business, something like that. Mm -hmm. And he was telling me that one of the directors of his business, 70 million business, said to him, the trouble with technology is you don't know how much it's going to cost. If you use people, you do. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I've no idea how that guy's allowed to be a director. But <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, okay. It, it's it's mm. that it, it's that that mindset. We still because mm. a lot of the people who are decision makers grew up when uh, you know they were similar age to me. You know, they're like late forties, early fifties. Mm -hmm. 
and they they grew up um, technologically mm-hmm. uh, in the in, you know, in the Windows ninety five days. Yeah, when we had uh, plug and play, which everybody referred to as plug and pray, because you never knew whether it was going to work or not. You know, it was a, this sort of wild west time, really. Yeah. Right, a lot of you know, we look back at the uh, the first iterations of in, of internet banking, and the trust component was just completely lacking. Mm-hmm. People were frightened to go on and do internet banking for fear that somebody was going to you know come along. And, there's a bit in The Simpsons where the, he's at a home, is at a cafe internet cafe doing his online banking and i you know uh whatever forget the guy's name now he comes in and uh puts the disc hold puts a gun puts the diskette in and you see all the funds disappearing out of the bank again <laughs> I mean, that, but but that's but that i pers- agree i think that's what that was that's people were scared of right especially back yeah, in those days yeah 100 percent. and i think you may raise a good point there um at the in the business world People that are directors are generally a little bit older and maybe not as technically savvy. Um, and still, and one of the back to advantages, of, one of the positives of COVID is they had to make decisions um, and shift and learn. And I think people have learnt that there are different ways of doing business. Uh, yes, I think that's one of the major positives that has given the industry a bit of a, a leg up in terms of where it needs to go and what the um, advantage of technology are. But also, yeah, there's still a lot of risk, especially if you're building your own product. The, the the big the big um, sort of fear that I have, I guess, at the moment is that there's a lot of people out there. That the trust component is completely low, mm. and they're doing enough. Mm-hmm. They're they're just they're, they're just advancing enough to sort of keep the wolf from the door at the moment. And mm. as soon as the lights come back on properly, and you know, as soon as everybody's vaccinated and the world starts to open up again, it's yeah. sort of eighteen months or so. They'll they'll be like, no, I did enough. That's it. That's me. Yeah, okay. uh, and there'll be no further investment because it'll be perceived as well. Oh, we did this two years ago during COVID. Gosh, we don't need to do anything else now. Mm. You can uh, make it through that. that. You don't have to touch it. Mm. Uh, yeah, and that, that's all fine, right? And I, I get that people are like that, but we're in the middle of a technology revolution, the likes of which we've never seen before, mm-hmm. and it's just beginning. I mean, yeah, we're, we're just we're just beginning to ramp up. Quantum computing is not so far away suddenly. And, you know, we're, the world is accelerating and staying still is costly. I don't think we can, anyone can afford to stay still of what we've learned. So, yeah, in terms of the technology advancements, it's happening in every industry. Every industry is getting disrupted in one way or another. Um, some of our biggest industries of the world are getting disrupted, the finance spaces with what's going on in that world. Oh, yeah, yeah. With finance the, yeah, finance is mad with distributed finance and all the um, the coins that are popping up on that world. It's all still a it's cowboy industry, but it's yeah, just that. Yeah. It's oh, the AIs and the yeah, computing and all the other stuff trying to do all the trades yeah. that Yes. People would throw, scream out numbers of people on the stock market floor yeah. to do the trade instead. And then there was, all of that will get replaced by just two couple computers. Well, yes, it already is getting replaced by yeah. computers everywhere. There's bots doing all that stuff these days already. Yeah. yeah. Have you have you seen any of the um, have yeah. you ever seen any of Tom Scott's stuff on YouTube? Tom Scott, no, I haven't. Yeah, yeah. No, he's, he's, quite, yeah. he's quite an interesting yeah. guy, uh, and he's done uh, one which I'm sure it's him uh, about a particular exchange in the US, mm-hmm. and they've got. 30 kilometers of cable coiled up that they've had to put in place to slow down the speed of transactions. <laughs> You're kidding. No, no, seriously. Okay. Because, oh, because wow. machines are so quick now. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, 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 I forget the, the exact reason of this, but they, I mean, they've literally got this big coil. Just to slow down by milliseconds. Just to make sure that it slows down That's the transaction by you know five hundred milliseconds or whatever whatever yeah. it might be. Yeah, well. So that normal people can interact at the same speed as computers. I forget what the reason is, but it's along those lines. That there's a physical barrier in place. <laughs> Crazy. But yeah. but it's it, it it brings up this idea of AI and the what I refer to as the arms race, mm. which in the AI space is 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 a real problem because at the moment everybody's making huge games. Mm-hmm. And we're getting cleverer and cleverer, but it, it's still just good maths, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's mm-hmm. largely what this boils down to: good maths and and good text parsing. And the problem we've got now is that if I if I create a piece of AI that analyzes the markets, let's say, and I say, well, look, over a typical investor, I can get you a five percent increase. That's brilliant, right? Mm-hmm. Fantastic. I'll take that. 
the trouble is that I'm not in this game on my own. Correct. There's 200 competitors all doing the same thing and all making circa 5%. Mm-hmm. And next year, I'll be 5.1 and they'll be just a tiny <laughs> bit less. And that gap is yeah. going to get smaller and smaller and smaller every yeah. single iteration, every year. And eventually, they're going to run out of reasons to say that they're the best. Mm. And you end up back where you started. Uh, and every, you know, everybody's special, right? Yeah, uh, correct. And then, so, so th- th- this speaks to this this fundamental issue we have in the technology space, which is people trying to sell technology mm. when that's not really what we should be selling. What we should be doing is selling the outcome that the techno that the technology produces, rather than specifically talking about the technology. And then, if we're doing that, then we're really talking about the nature of our business and how well we help people, rather than the tools we use with which to do it. I think that's what smartphones have sort of done. They don't sell you on the phone anymore. They just sell you on the camera. That's 99% of what people use it for, take photos. Yeah. yeah. Photos. You know, I've got a 14-year-old daughter. She used to continue on Snapchat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, at the start, they were like, all right, when they, for, what, how small can a phone get? And that was the selling point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. Was, yeah, we can make phone calls. You can send messages. Now, how small can we no, get it? Now, a brick again. How big can we get it? And how good can the camera get? Yeah. Not what's in the phone. Mm. I look at the tech specs, but how many people actually do know what they mean? Well, I don't. I mean, I mean, I'm in the industry. I couldn't give a. I'm the same. I just grab a phone. That yep, screen's good. Camera's good. That's about it. Yeah, that's all you do, right? So, I think you mentioned something there about outcomes, um, and in the end, that's always the focus point. And I think one of the advantages of being in a in a service based industry is. From us coming from the into the business or into this world, is being in a service industry you're all about looking for outcomes and solving problems. Um, when you get into tech, it gets very easy to start talking about features, functions, and what this thing does. And I think you need to sort of separate that because in the end, the features and the functions are great, but how are you helping the consumer? How are you helping the person using it? And that's where the conversation needs to stem from and lie. Um, and that's, look, I don't know if you know, but we've got a, a SaaS product in the pharmacy space. Mm. Uh, one of the advantages we've had is we will work with the customers to understand their problems and evolve the product with them. Um, and I think not many tech businesses or SaaS businesses do enough of that. And I think that's some of the challenges that I see in the industry. It, it was... It- it's a big problem, mm. uh, and this is really to do with the way in which we've been selling software historically. Mm-hmm. So way back when, back in back when years began with a one, I was doing tech pre-sales, mm-hmm. uh, and it was okay because there were only three of us. There were only three in the three businesses that we had to worry about. Mm. It was ourselves and two competitors. So the conversation about features and benefits is a legitimate conversation. Yes. True. Uh, because we do this, this is what we've got, this is the value, and people mm-hmm. go, oh, yeah, I can work that out, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so on. We fast forward to today, and as we were saying, there's 3,000 CRMs. Mm. Now, uh, well, if we start looking at them, they're going to look very samey very quickly, mm-hmm. because you know how many different features can you have? And you, uh, the, the, the analogy I use is cars. At no point in the next ad you'll see for a Toyota will it tell you that the car's got four wheels, a gear, a gear stick of some sort, some seats, an ashtray. It's all assumed knowledge, system. right? Yes. Yeah, yeah correct. Because, because all cars have got the same features. Mm-hmm. So people aren't buying the car because it's got an extra cup holder. Because mm-hmm. every every car's got a cup holder. Everything, you know, they're all the same. Yes. So the 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 brand value mm-hmm. and the ideas and the emotional attachment that we put on things is really where the selling space is now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and software is going to have to go down that path. I, 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 it's a, it's a regular part of the conversations I have where we're saying, well, look, you know, how are you going to how are you going to sell this? If you're going to say I've got these features, then you're going to lose because the big guys have got more. They do have more. Um, and then well, if you uh, have a feature that's unique in that rare instance, someone else is going to build it pretty quickly. Um, anyway. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't take long to copy. No, it's, it's easy to copy in this uh, And apart from which, yeah. how, many of your, yeah. how many potential clients mm. are really interested in buying one unique feature? None, really. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah, basically none. Yeah. And <laughs> which is, I mean, the, and the mm. flip side of that, of course, which is when you try and sell something, people mm. say, oh, but you haven't got this feature. But, <laughs> Yeah. Do you, do you really think that all the other features that you have got yes. are outweighed by the one that somebody says you haven't got? Mm. 
to which the answer is no. I mean, the, the value proposition yes. is still the same. So the, the subject matter is about value mm -hmm. and emotional attachment. And mm -hmm. Grammarly is a great example of this. If you want to see what the Grammarly ads, the niche is really clear because they're yes. aiming at the sort of 20-somethings. Mm -hmm. And it's always somebody who looks a little bit confused <laughs> and then uses Grammarly and is suddenly beaming. Yes. <laughs> uh, and and the, 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 yeah. these sort of subtle undertones mm -hmm. of they're going to help you get the job or the promotion, mm -hmm. or uh, get laid, or, yes. or whatever you know, whatever you're, you need to write for. That's what mm -hmm. Grammarly is going to give you this outcome. It's not actually about really, it's nothing about the AI that Grammarly's got in the background that works out. Or the, uh, no, they don't the, 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 sell that at all, do they? Um, no, no mention, nothing yeah. about tech. And, it's, and that's what people need to get their head around. It's In the end, it's all about sales and marketing, like anything else. Mm -hmm. How do you market it? How do you position it? So you're impacting that, that buyer that is actually the the niche consumer that you're targeting. Um, and once again, to market to everybody, Grammarly's got a target market, you just said. They've all got a target market. You can't target to everybody. Um, I think that's where a lot of people get lost in the space too. It's just, yeah, features and then target to everybody and hope for the best. Yeah. Well, I mean, the phrase I use a lot mm. is if you're looking at the technology, yeah. you're missing the point. Mm. And this is back to the the, the domain experts. Mm -hmm. They, well, I think all all SaaS leaders, I think that they they're in love with the technology. They are that that's that because mm -hmm. they're building. It's a baby. Mm -hmm. it's, it's this this thing that they give birth to in in mm -hmm. some senses. So they want to nurture that, and they forget about the the wider world. Mm -hmm. um, and it, there's, there's a myopic um, focus on the tech rather than than back, you know, back uh, the outcomes that they produce. In terms of um, customers that we've dealt with in the past, I, I see that a lot. Um, even with the main experts too, they sort of get sucked into that world and then into the Ooh. features and the tech. Not even they, – they, they may start as, yeah, this is the problem we're trying to solve, but then you can see that um, they get pretty, pretty quickly sucked into uh, what are the features they're going to you know, build on, what are we building on, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a tough one. Um, I – what's – Give me some examples. I'm sure you've got plenty. Um, on this podcast already, we've had probably about 20 or 30 examples of people that have been through that journey, got focused too heavily on the tech, and yet wasted a hell of a lot of money trying to build things. Um, what's some of the things you've seen in your journey? Oh, God. Um, it, it's hard to, hard to say things without wanting to name names. but uh, <laughs> um, yeah. it, it, what, A lot of it is... It starts with it starts with this idea of being in tech. Mm. There is there is a there is a, a sex appeal to it of some level. I think yeah, the whole the, the whole nerd thing. I haven't heard it for years. It's been sort of dropped. No, I think it's the yeah. entrepreneur yeah. who make a lot of money. That's what, is the appeal. Yeah, that's the appeal. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's shifted I mean, to that, and then tech has been. So I, don't, yeah. I don't think I don't think they come yeah. in wanting to buy an island, but they, yeah. I, mean, I think they can make a decent living. Yeah, and, and good money, mm -hmm. and, and fair enough, and they can. There's plenty of opportunity, but. Uh, like a good, for instance, was uh, one person I spoke to had spent a lot of money. I mean, mm. over half a million, mm. and had built uh, a website, so a web page version, mm -hmm. uh, an Android version, and an iPhone version of the same thing. Mm. And Why? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Funny enough, I asked the same yeah. question, um, <laughs> and the yeah. answer was because I didn't know any better. Um, and, and nobody stopped them, right? And and, and this is the problem. And this is why people like me exist, so that people just tell them to yeah, stop. Yeah. The, 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 the frightening thing was that they were so obsessed with building a solution mm. that they never built any commercialization into it. Mm -hmm. And they built the three, and none of them were complete. Yeah, if you built one complete, there's a, there's a yeah, commercial model. One, 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 one. Yeah. One yeah. good one would have been yeah. a good start. If, I just, if you just built a web page. Yeah. I started started with a website mm. and and then worked out whether you needed every whether you ever needed to go to a device or not. Mm -hmm. yeah, I um, think a lot of that happens because yeah, the people don't know the tech space. Like you said, they're a tech uh, domain experts. Yeah. They come in, they don't understand what building software means, mm. and no. that's it's a very small group of people who do because they've been trained to do it through union, like that's a degree, and they move towards it, or they've been sure. exposed in a lot of different developments. But uh, then it's also there's not a lot of tech people. Like we're in this, I'd say we're a small category where we're actually providing information, trying to help people, so they don't go down that path. 
what, what a lot of people will just take money from people and do whatever yeah, yeah, they yeah. want. Well, it's, it, I don't think it's necessarily that. Um, I think a lot of it is that they're, they're keen to cover their own backside. So the entrepreneur turns up and says, I want one of these. And they go, okay. And they kind of make a spec. Uh, and everybody goes, yeah, that's about, that looks about right. That's about right. And then they go off. And then they'll do exactly what they're told. Yeah, they're not there trying it's to the help. It's the yes people. Yeah. And uh, I think so, you yeah, mentioned what, say, well, yeah. you, you told me to do this. Well, you know, it, it's, it's supposed to be a collaboration, right? Your, your, your job is, is to. And I think that's. Uh, I mean, the, and you do the yeah. every process, I know. But yeah, I call it. Yeah, and that's. It's collaboration. A lot, a lot of, a lot of them yeah. don't. They just go yeah. off and say, well, you told me to make this, so that's what I made. Well, it's shit. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, <laughs> what can I tell you? Yeah, it, it's, it's that problem of not helping, as you say. But I think. Yeah, and that's the same thing you get. Like, if a trader comes to your house. You can tell the difference between a trader who wants to help you and a trader who comes and does a job and leaves. See, I, it's the I same thing with software team. You need the team that's going to help you and work with you. Yeah, I have a very nice lady who comes to my house once a week. My housekeeper, and she's a fabulous lady. Uh, and I, if you know, I, I would marry her in a heartbeat because she just you know looks after my world. But she will come in and she will do the jobs that need to be done, as opposed to before when I've hired a cleaner. They come in and they go, "No, this is what we do." Mm. And there's the distinction between yeah. the understanding the context, and you know it's it's still doing the same job, mm-hmm. but it, it's responding to the situation that you see as opposed to coming in with a sort of formulaic view of we're going to do this bang 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 bang, we did this we cleaned this you told you didn't tell us to do that so we didn't do it and it's like well you know it's covered in shit yeah. surely you should have <laughs> you'd think so. Yeah. Um, you mentioned collaboration before, and I like to coin it as more co-creation because mm-hmm. in this space. Generally, you need your tech team to be ideating and evolving the way we deliver solutions with you, um, not just tell us what you want and we'll do it. Because I think, yeah, many people have been in that path, um, built tech, but you want someone on your side that's going to actually dig in, understand what's going on, and advise what your users are actually going to need, not just what you think they're going to mm-hmm. need. Because that's, that's where a lot of people get stuck. That's what I've noticed in the industry. It- well, they don't know. When we don't know what we don't know, right? Um, if if I were to hire an interior designer, I would expect them. Yes. You know, they say, "Well, what colours do you want?" And I'd say, "Well, you know, I don't know. Mm. I don't understand colour schemes. I don't understand how these things are put together in the context of this room." So, you know, I'm hiring you to help me. You know, I know the outcome I want, which is a yeah. nice, comfortable room to live in, and so on. Mm. Surely you can you can help guide me and guide my thought processes so that we mm-hmm. collectively produce the right outcome. Yeah, that's how it needs to be. But I think that's yeah. important because that's really what you touch upon there. Is as a if you're a consumer looking to engage a development team, you want to be talking about your outcome, not about what you want to build. Um, and you mentioned it earlier because then you can help the co-creation space and how we might get there. I think. Um, a lot of people jump onto solution very early, um, but like you said there, in, in the world of you want someone to come and help and guide you, maybe you don't go to them with the solution, go to them with this is the outcome we want to achieve, this is some ideas we've had, but let's open up the conversation because it, it opens the door to just a bit more of that um, creation, that ideation space because that's yeah. where you need to spend yeah. a lot more time. I think a lot of people just may just jump way too early into solution, get the dev on board and off they go. Yeah, they do. And, and the other thing they do is they want to make everything before they go to market. They're, they're yeah. chasing perfection yeah. or a long way towards mm. it. Now, I know I, I, there's the great Reid Hoffman saying, which is if you're not embarrassed, or whatever it was, which is if you're not embarrassed by your first version, you're too late to market. Mm. And, and I, I understand the sentiment of that. I don't necessarily agree with it explicitly, but it, it's a valid point. At some point, you've got to get to market. Uh, yeah, yeah we, we have we have this concept called a minimal minimum viable product, mm-hmm. uh, and I I say what well, people say, well, what is an MVP? And I say, well, the way I translate it for people is I say it's the least that works and delivers value. Mm. That gets you to if you can do that, that's where you need to be. That gets you to market. That's a story you can start getting a dollar in the door. But you know, people say, "Well, I, but I want to build this. I want to build this. I want to build all these other things." You go, "Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you do." <laughs> but by the way, developers are you know five hundred dollars a day or whatever the, the price might be. Yes. And 
where are you where's the money coming from mm. you know, when your mvp goes out the door who's who's paying you because you haven't you know they're not you're not going to go to market and have 10,000 users no you know if you've got five you've done well yeah correct yeah it's that thing you still got to eat mm. you still want a roof over your head and the house to be warm and clothes to wear and all the other stuff you know the kids still got to go to school i, I think there's a there's a bit of a balancing out there Mm. Yes, we've got to yeah, get something sure. that's really – you still need to get a product that's decent because in this day and age, people don't put up with crap. Um, but if you spend your energy focusing on those core things and do them well, you're in a much better position than if you spend your energy trying to do 300 things and not doing any of them well. I think that's probably the distinction. Yeah, I think you minimize minimal product focus, all your energy getting the stuff that's important right getting it usable in creating that good experience for people um, that's going to deliver you more value than trying to build 300 400 500 features it just really doesn't add the value at that level even that you yeah. know, those features yeah. should get market tested before you even build yeah. them. once you have a product what are actually people want to use yeah. or how do they even use your product is it different to what you're expecting yeah. Always. <laughs> Always. Yeah. but you find that when you are building and evolving your product so you're chatting to your customers your vision of where the product should go generally isn't what they need. Uh, so you need to get that, bang that in, in the head pretty quickly because sometimes um, you can over-exhaust well, what you need. This is a, yeah. this is a, a really crucial point, yeah. right? This, this distinction between needs and wants. Yes. Because, uh, you know, customer needs change with the weather. <laughs> so customer wants change with the weather. Yes. Yeah, oh, it's cold. Oh, I'm cold today. Yeah. Also, yeah, it, but customer needs don't change. Mm. They, all they do, but they're, they're much slower moving, and they're they're an easier. They're funny. I mean, they're an easier target to hit <laughs> because they're consistent, uh, and it, it's wrapped up the back. You just saying just now that in in this notion of value, and that for me is the crucial point: is where do you find the value? Mm. If you're focusing on building value, then the features you have to make become obvious. Correct. Yeah, they stand if you're out. focusing on building features, finding the value is much harder. <laughs> and the, the never-ending list of features uh, can get overwhelming oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you end up in that world. Yeah, it's easy to add a feature to a list and keep building. And but who's playing? Well, like back, you said. Yeah, back in, yeah, back in the day when yeah. I was in industry, mm. I mean, you know, the list of features we had to build, mm. or the list of desired features that yeah. people had asked for, was in the hundreds. Mm. In, and they were never going to get done. Mm-hmm. Because they, they were never important enough, but you know, I mean, you, you just get insane requests. Oh, can we have this? Can we have that? You know, can we have this a different colour? Can we have this in bigger letters? It's like, oh, I, yeah. I think when you open up the conversation to feature requests, I think people and customers sometimes, <laughs> sometimes they just try and come up with ideas just to give you some. And I think, yeah, you got to take that on board and understand where the value is, and still. Dig in on that feature because, yeah, maybe something they're saying is correct. Maybe it's something you need to look at. But you, if, you know, yeah. if enough people ask for it, correct. then there's probably some truth to it. Yeah, exactly. But you need to you need to back test all this stuff. If there's one person asking out of a, a ten thousand user mm. base, then uh, probably move on. Uh, yeah. And, and, yeah. The problem yeah. with the, the feature list yeah. is how they try and rate them. Yeah. And you, so do- you can have a feature list, but if everything becomes high priority, nothing's high priority. Mm. Well, that's it. Uh, but of course, if you if you listen to your sales guys, yep, their excuse is always, well, I say always, but you know, it, it regularly, <laughs> uh, we can't sell it because we haven't got this feature. I mean, I've I spent twenty years in industry hearing that being said. I used to say it myself. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good way out. It's a good excuse, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's a, re- a reason for failure, right? Yes. Um, but yeah. you say, well, okay, well. Do you really want that? Fi- do they really want that feature? You just—is that just an excuse? Is it just a story you're telling me? Mm. And it's—it's it's a real problem because you know we end up spending massive amounts of money making stuff that is of no value, mm-hmm. or trying and building warts into systems and complicating otherwise relatively sort of straightforward things become complex because we keep putting an extra an extra checkbox in or an extra entry box or, or whatever it might be. Mm. And instead of a single page where you can put in a little bit of information, we'll move on, mm-hmm. we end up asking 20 questions. And it it it, it doesn't deliver value. Well, the simpler you can deliver the value, the better. And I think you framed it there because, yeah. yeah, we can overcomplicate things pretty quickly um, and put so much on a page where people get confused. But a nice, seamless interface which delivers the value at the end is always going to win over that um, platform that's got stuff everywhere and no one knows what the hell's going on 
Yeah. Can, can, I, can yeah. I have a rant now? Yeah, rant, well, rant away, mate. <laughs> yeah. I, I, want, I, want to rant, I want to rant about user experience. Yeah, go uh, for it. This, is, this, this shits me. <laughs> uh, and I'll tell you why. It, it, and it's, it's a valid conversation, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's a valid point. The people who talk about user experience mm. and simple UI, mm. yeah, it must be intuitive. Uh, the, the, these are these are meaningless words. It's a, it's a, it's as meaningful as the phrase "digital transformation," which is, you know, well, the whole point of technology is digital transformation. That's the whole point of it. <laughs> yeah, it's been since you and I were boys, Andrew. Yeah, um, that, that you know, I was doing digital transformation twenty five years ago. Yeah, it's just the, it's, so a, it's that's like the word "cloud," technology. right? It's uh, just a buzz yeah, marketing. We're doing, yeah. Now, yeah, it's just another bit of spin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the, we talk about this idea of. Um, UX and it has to be it has to be super simple, intuitive, and all of these words. And what that means is, ah, oh, well, it can't. It need yeah. it needs to be usable. It needs to deliver value. Is what it needs to do. Right. And, and and the reality of this is that some things uh, are inherently complicated. Correct. And yep. some UI is just destined to be complicated. Yeah. So we with these broad brush statements. Oh, everything must be like this. No nonsense. Mm-hmm. Some things just don't fit in this box that we call UX because they are an inherently complicated world. Yeah, I mean, I, I built a development tool for a living. Mm-hmm. Those things That's are complicated. complicated. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it, it's this, and, and it, it bothers me because it gets spouted as this sort of panacea and a perfect world. Oh, as long as your button's the right size and the text is located correctly and the colors are appealing then you know you'll sell loads of product well no bullshit you know that just helps the experience yes that word but it doesn't doesn't. even something complicated if it's got those some of those elements can make it easier to use Mm. that's all it does it's not that has to be Mm. but i think i think you're on as minimal as possible um what you're saying there has some truth because when you get into the complicated world people then talk about oh how the hell do we simplify this but sometimes there's no answer and i think yeah when you're creating things like you're talking about there some automated um systems that create code and create different applications there's no real way to make that as seamless and anybody can use it that's just um, the reality of the platform we're working on at the moment it's replicating a real world process with like seven different stakeholders yeah and you can't change any of their processes, no. and the flow has to be exact. Yeah. It's just yeah. it took months to digitally transformed to be autom- uh, <laughs> yeah. simpler to transfer data. That's the whole system, and to automate some key components. Mm. But you can't make it simpler. No, it, it, some things just are complicated. Yeah, correct. And that's what we have to deal with. Mm-hmm. I mean, the rule we, the rule we used to sort of live by um, back in my Lancer days was we wanted to make everything possible, mm. but make all you know the fat bit of the target the 80 percent mm-hmm. make those as reliably repeatable as possible mm-hmm. so there were things that you knew people would do so like, i just want to make that bit easy mm-hmm. help me fill in this command help me do whatever it might be uh, help me build this layout there were you know there were there were common abstractions and patterns that we could we could look at and go right that's a good thing to make give somebody a chance to be able to do with a couple of clicks mm-hmm. Underneath, that might mean that what we actually produce is 200 clicks worth of stuff. Correct. And you know, if they still need to go in and modify that, then we have to make that simple as well. So it's all of the it's it's looking at the process in its entirety and saying, right, how can I how can I best attack this this whole thing rather than a, a sort of a very myopic view where we look at one little bit and go, well, yeah, that bit's not right. So therefore, mm-hmm. it, it's you know, it is a complicated world, unfortunately. Oh, that's not um, – in the case of platforms and SaaS products, yeah, sometimes they're really easy uh, because the functions are easy and they're simple solutions and they deliver value when they, they're off and running. Um, in the world of Grammarly, have you seen that UI? That's quite simple. Um, yeah. But what it does is yeah, yeah. one yeah. job. Yeah, it's got one job to exactly. do. Well, we talked yeah. about you – know, the last time I was on, mm-hmm. we talked about this, which is the thing I said, which has ruined the software industry mm-hmm. for us. Which is the five dollar app? The five dollar, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, this, this has ruined our lives. Because yeah. everyone believes uh, it's yeah. uh, cheap to build an app, right? Because it costs five dollars. Yeah, it's the yeah. five dollar app, yeah. right? So, uh, and Combank, mm. I mean, Combank gives their app away, mm-hmm. so it must be cheap, right? Mm. 
I mean, Combat will have spent tens of millions of dollars building that thing. Mm-hmm. And, and rightly so. And the value proposition for it is exceptional. Mm. And it's, an, it's a very good piece of software. Uh, but, you know, we have, you know, people think, well, that guy made Flappy Birds in a fortnight. <laughs> That's a true story. <laughs> yeah, well, he did. Yeah. Uh, and, and he made mm. half a million dollars off it. Mm. Uh, you know, and good luck to him. And, and he's done well. But just because he can make gr- Flappy Birds in a fortnight mm. doesn't mean that we can build a SaaS platform in a fortnight. No. For the same. No way. And I think people, uh, yeah. It's perception. I mean, yeah. I, yeah, perception of the industry. But when you look at what a SaaS platform is, it's a, a business model in wrapped in technology, really. Um, it's You've got mm-hmm. your product, and then you've got your commercialization component with your selling component. You've got your payment gateways. You've got your marketing wrapped in because you need to communicate out. It's a business model wrapped in technology, but then you also got the support staff and everything. I think, yeah, that's people get somewhat lost in, all right, we're just going to build the tech, but what the hell else is going on around this thing to actually make it sustainable yeah, as a business? people don't understand yeah. what's involved. No, they don't, yeah. Like if you're building everything from scratch, in two weeks you'll be lucky to get like a login and authentication system. <laughs> that's reality. Yeah. And that's like, oh, every website does it. Yes. Why yeah. is it hard? Yeah. If you don't do it properly, it's hard. Mm. Yeah, it's the, these things, I mean, I, I, I'm talking to some people tomorrow. Um, I was having a look at the website that they've got so far. And I thought, oh, I'll go in. And went in and thought I'd clicked a button. Nothing happened. So I thought, well, perhaps I haven't clicked it. So I clicked it again. Uh, and what it actually then did was put my details in twice and create two records. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because, you know, yeah. it, that's a mistake that we can all make in the software mm-hmm. world. It's easy enough to do. Yeah, easy enough to get wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at which point the whole website <laughs> crashed and I got, you know, Stack trace all over the place. Yeah. It was, you know, it was a shamble. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, so very, very, very kindly sent it through to yes. the guy and said, "Oh, yeah, this." Uh-huh. And he went, "Ah, oh, yeah, just yeah. We only did that recently. Mm. <laughs> the stuff behind it, yes. we hadn't looked at in six months. So they all they've done is a new piece of UI mm-hmm. has broken. Yes, the old software. So, you know, yeah. And, yeah. People just don't don't get this. The, yeah. the, the under, this is back to the understanding of the business and the understanding um, of just the sheer magnitude of the world they're in. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> and particularly, and they're, they're so focused on this MVP and getting to you know you get them to focus on MVP. MVP. So right, come on, we got it. We're going to get tomorrow. We're going to get some early customers. And they say, right. By the way, when you release your MVP, you don't stop. You keep moving on. Yeah, that's okay. a line. Your MVP is your line in the sand, and then there's. Then there's what I refer to as the maths, which is maintenance, augmentation, training, help, and support. And I, which the the five things you're going to have to do for the rest of your life, or the business life, or whatever this is, right? Yeah, yeah. this is the rest of your existence in SaaS. Is mm-hmm. that you're now going to change what you've already made? Yep, throw it you're out. Add shit to it. <laughs> uh, you're going to write training stuff. Mm-hmm. You're going to write tutorials, all sorts of documentation. You're going to write lots and lots of help. Um, myriad stuff and that you're going to continually change because you can continually change your platform mm-hmm. and by the way if you don't do any of that you'd be out of business everything you did previously is a waste of time and money mm. because you're not going to sell anything or you might sell somebody you're not, not going to keep your clients they're mm. not going to stay around for very long they're going to go to somebody else uh, uh, and it is this this enormous it just gets bigger as well i, I mean mm. i'm to do a graphic on this you know the size of your business prior to MVP and the size of your business after MVP, yeah, it just goes off. Into I, the distance. Yeah, I think yeah, that's a fair point you raise there because um, no one is aware of that. I don't think anyone is when we speak to them about what it actually takes to continually maintain a piece of software. Um, they just think you build it, job done, move on. Um, yeah, we'll yeah. Build it and they'll come yeah, out, yeah. Right? same same yeah, philosophy. I don't even realise yeah. there's updates when Apple and Android say you're doing a mobile app when they release a system update that that can just kill your app overnight. Mm-hmm. They sort of like people don't realize that there's just things that you use that need to get updated to keep it working right properly. Security is becoming oh. a buzzword too, like, um, and rightly so because security is important, um, especially when you get down to pertinent data and something that's uh, needs to be protected. And that's something you have to do continuously. There's uh, doesn't matter what you're building your tech in. Then there's updates, there's patches, there's all these other things that aren't even well, adding well, anything well, to features to the users. Yeah, the world's continually changing. Yeah. We, we once took a feature out, or twice, twice, mm-hmm. actually twice, I remember we took a feature out. Um, one was a formatting option for the source okay. that we had. Yeah, yeah. Uh, various, sort of clever wrapping. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we took one out 
and got a barrage of emails from people saying, how could you possibly take that's the best feature you've got, blah, blah. Like, Jesus, really? <laughs> yeah. Um, and the other one was we, we, we replaced something. So we didn't come to take it out. There was a, this kind of helper panel that popped up and did a whole bunch of stuff uh, and was god-awful, in truth. Just a horrible idea. I mean, the, the idea was kind of the, 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 the idea behind it was good. Mm-hmm. The implementation was a bit mediocre back in the day. And we replaced it with a far superior one. And the result of doing that was somebody gets sent to me an email and it was like, oh, oh, thank God that thing's gone and has been replaced. I'm like, oh, yeah. Did something well. Okay, we didn't realize it was that bad. Yeah. No, it was fucking terrible. <laughs> well, 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 nobody told us it was terrible. No, we, had, we were getting no, you get no feedback from people about why things are bad. They just kind of suck it Leave up. Them. Back pain. Yeah, they just the solid like, majority. I think you yeah, get plenty yeah. of feedback yeah. when, when things are broken. Um, oh, yeah, that, yeah, there, yeah, that's the feedback comes. If they don't work, yes. fair enough. Yes. If all they are is poor, yeah, you might not get that feedback. Correct. You don't. Yeah. You don't hear about it. You, yeah. They, yeah, people don't. They don't tell you. Mm-hmm. And eventually, you said this guy. Well, why? Why was it poor? You know, mm-hmm. what was it about it you didn't like? Yeah, help us understand. They said, oh, well, it had a tree on the left hand side, and it didn't remember its state when you closed it and reopened. Oh, and that—that that was the killer feature. That was the one thing. Like, let <laughs> me out here. Yeah, no, nobody had told you so. We could have fixed that, and yeah, yeah no problem. No time, but mm. nobody told us. Yeah, that's the world of software and evolution, right? And you need to be in front of your customers, and they may not tell you. Um, it's true. You need to be always at the front of um, what they might be thinking, and then also then bringing things to them around what they might be thinking, and then validating mm-hmm. that. You don't want to just build stuff either because, yeah, get back to the whole feature thing, right? In terms of um, give some advice, someone that's uh, a domain expert or a tech person about to jump into this brilliant idea that they have, what's the one thing that we start with, mate? What would you recommend? Oh, put the keyboard down. First thing, stop. <laughs> just, just stop. Uh, no, I mean, well, yeah, A. But, I mean, seriously, for me, number one, I don't clearly articulate the problem because this, this simple articulation of the problem is going to be, it's going to drive everything you do in terms of the coding effort that you make. And it's going to fundamentally underpin every single bit of marketing and mm. external exposure that you've got. Every conversation you have will be about the problem. So identify the problem and then identify whose problem it is. When you have those two so clearly articulated that you can walk up to somebody and say, this is the problem I'm going to solve and these are the people who've got the problem, Mm -hmm. then you've got a business. Then you've got the core of a business and you can start from there. Mm. And that's any business. After after that, it's it's then really do do some investigation, do some work, write everything down. Make sure that before you go to somebody to build something for you, you know as much as you can possibly know. Now, I'm, I'm doing some a little bit of work at the moment with a, a lady who's building a, she's an architect. And she currently holds, is my sort of record holder for the most amount of preparation work done. <laughs> I like them. Hasn't gone anywhere near a developer yet. Mm. Has reams and reams of paper mm. on the on the idea and the problem that she's solving. You don't see that very often. Uh, yeah. That's where you've got to be. Yeah. This this idea that you can go to a developer and say, "I want to make one of these," and goes, "Yeah, okay." Mm-hmm. Uh, but well, so so one of my one of my tragic tales is a lady I know who said went to a developer and said, "I want to build one of these." And he went, yeah, yeah, I can do that. About twenty grand, mm. uh, and uh, one hundred and sixty grand later, uh, and you, you you know, if you've got one hundred and sixty grand, that's okay, and you can wear it, and it's a parking ticket in the scheme of things because mm. you can make a dollar downstream and everything's fine. Mm-hmm. If you haven't got 160 grand and you spend the 100 that you've got and you're still 60 short and you haven't got to market, mm. you just bleed 100 grand. It's gone bye bye because people don't, people don't buy mm. code. They don't buy IP. No, no one's interested in that. They'll start again. No, no, nobody wants to come and fix your code. And it tells you a lot about um, where the value really is. Just that comment there. They don't buy the code. They want the outcome solved and customers paying. Um, mm. That's that's where the value in anything is. It's not about the code. Yeah, you might have. Yeah, that's a fair point. We. But, but, but there's a whole there's a whole bunch of other mm. stuff. Um, even even the relationship mm. they have with their um, developers. Like how how do you find a good development shop? Mm. How do you choose if you if you're not from the development world? How do you choose a development shop? 
I mean, these are people you're getting into bed with for a protracted length, protracted length of time. For many, many years, you're going to spend, mm-hmm. well, you know, assuming a level of success, millions of dollars, quite literally millions of dollars. How do you choose? Yeah, if you're judging on price, that's not the yeah, way it's to do a tough it. one, isn't it? I think we're no, we're no, the inside I'm, the industry, right? So we understand yeah, what to sort of ask, and but it's yeah. I think yeah, most people look at like the relationship they have with whoever they're talking yep. to. If they're looking at the price, it's definitely the wrong way mm. to do it. Oh, oh, well. And even that, you can't even compare one quote from a developer and estimate between another. No. One. Especially when it's nothing. Everyone's got their own their own thought process: how to do it, how to architect it, how to design mm. it. It's not comparable. Mm. No, no. It, it, I mean, I've, I've got some IP on this. Uh, uh, various posts on how to pick a pick a development team. But I mean, even you know, even being in the industry, it's hard. It is hard, yeah. yeah. Because and I think one of the one of the key things that that I that any you want to work with any developer is basically ensure that they're helping you with the ideation and want to be a part of the journey and add value to it. If they're just happy to take your whatever you say and provide a dollar figure to you, that is a big issue. Uh, walk away. So get the team that just wants to help you get to the outcome, understand it, uh, inquisitive. Mm-hmm. I think there's some key attributes around being inquisitive because in the end, um, if they're going to support, serve, they need to understand what you're up to um, and if you've gone about it right, in the right way and the right thinking too because, yeah, that's, that's probably some of the key things you want to be looking for. Well, this touches on another subject. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm doing some work at the moment yeah. with um, a lady by the name of Sarah Denham, who mm-hmm. is uh, uh, she coaches people on how to yeah. speak on stage, amongst other things. Mm-hmm. But some of the work that she does is helping non-technical staff mm-hmm. deal with their communication issues with technology teams. <laughs> Interesting work. She and I are putting together a, a workshop. Yeah, brilliant. For for businesses, mm-hmm. so that because there's this 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 communication gap is a real problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, a because mm-hmm. you we use we use words in our industry that mm-hmm. that we understand that have, that have a whole meaning to them, uh, and the you know the domain specialists will come in with their own language uh, I th- uh, that we don't understand, and vice versa. We, so we we're naturally mm-hmm. speaking a different language. Uh, so we have we have to bridge that gap to start with. That's a really important thing. I agree. There's a language barrier, but I think. What I've found is when the founders get really stuck is when they're really there's no level of detail within what they're doing. So what to get to a piece of software, you need significant detail process needs to be defined. If they're not that type of they're not that way inclined, that's when they're in a world of pain because they need to really hand that information over, share, create that information with the team. Um, Team can't just do everything, and I think um, without digging in and understanding the industry. So I think that's one of the things that I, I see as one of the biggest issues. It's the people that are more big picture thinking that aren't technical um, and then don't know how to document the process or even communicate the process. I think that's a bigger issue than the technical gap. I think that can be closed. Yeah, and the team should be able to communicate and explain everything. If they yeah. can't do that, they're not communicating yeah. with well, you well enough. Yeah, the, but the ability to speak in plain mm. English is not one that people are necessarily blessed with. No, um, <laughs> not in this industry. But that's yeah. the thing. That's yeah. that's a, a yeah. red flag for the team. Then, if they can't talk to you and explain yes. and communicate about what yes. you are, the yeah. software, or what you're talking about, or how things are mm. going to get made, then that should bring up a flag for you straight away. But I, I mean, I, I I'm not familiar with your development team, but I'm going to say there's a lot. I'm going to hazard a guess that there's quite a few of them you wouldn't let out the door in front of the door. <laughs> there's a couple there. They're hidden yeah, behind the curtain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, yeah there are, you, you, know, you, mean, you guys reasonably are clearly quite articulate, yeah? Um, but, the, I mean, the, the language barriers can be addressed. Right? I mean, there are techniques you can use. Yes. One of mine's favourite ones is to make a glossary. Mm. Mm-hmm. Come up with the glossary of terms. Mm-hmm. So every, yep. Everybody knows that when we have a conversation, these are the terms we're going to use. These are the ones that everybody gets familiar with. Uh, and again, I mean that's that's massively valuable. Then later on in the piece, when you start writing your documentation and start building, building out something from a sort of customer fronting point of view, because you've already got a set of terms that everybody's going to use and everybody's familiar with, and you get to tell the story. But it's a, it, it's a real challenge. And one of the um, one of the interesting things that comes out of this is um, is a power dynamic. Mm-hmm. There's a curious insight that Sarah and I have had that quite often what you get is non-technical people going to talk to the tech team and because they don't understand the tech, Mm -hmm. they feel that they can't really sort of force themselves 
on the technicians. Mm -hmm. And so you have this power imbalance where the technical guy actually rules the roost, and it all is the roost is the wrong way around. Mm -hmm. It should be the business, the, you know, the commercial side coming along saying, this is the problem I have, this is what I'm going to need, you now have to solve that for mm -hmm. me. But they don't, because they don't understand the technology, they feel sort of beholden to the technology. Yeah, I get that a lot with even our customers and clients. They just say, oh, I don't understand the tech, you need to help me with this. And they just, yeah, they let let that go. And I think, yeah, mm. but they understand the business better than we do. Um, and that's that's yeah, important. Absolutely. And that's the most important bloody thing. It's not about the tech. It's, yeah, they understand the business right. and the domain better than we're ever going. Uh, they can pass information to us, but in reality, we don't have the depth and breadth of knowledge that they do. So I think they need to stand on that. Mm. Yeah, one, one of the mm -hmm. um, stories uh, I tell is uh, a mate of mine was doing some work and he's sitting in a meeting and they're talking about revolvers. <laughs> Why? Uh, Just a chat. Like, yeah. What, like guns? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm... And, yeah. and, they, and eventually after, you know, yeah. however long, he's like, what's a revolver? <laughs> and are these, these are the people who pay at the beginning of the month. Oh, okay. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, it, it, it's it's that yeah. kind of assumed knowledge where we just assume every, everybody understands, mm -hmm. and you know, if people aren't prepared to put their hand up yes. and say, "What are you on about?" Yeah, that's that's yeah. Then yeah. then it all drifts along. So I mean, this and this is why I say for founders at the beginning is stop. It, you know, we don't want don't get involved in the technology. Forget the technology. Mm -hmm. Work out how this all works, and then insert the technology afterwards. Mm -hmm. It's it's that kind of idea where we have to take a step back and make sure we understand the big picture. And yep. Sarah and I have put this uh, to help. So a, a good good idea on this one is that it's it's a bit like looking at a jigsaw puzzle. The commercial side of the business will look at the picture. The technical side will look at the pieces and how they fit together. Mm -hmm. If we when we when we get them to work together, what we get is a really good outcome. Mm. But you've got these two different approaches to the same thing. Yeah, no, I, that's a great way yeah, to describe it, is, it. Yeah, that's what I described before. The, the the person might be big picture and about painting the picture, uh, but I think that's a great way to describe it and leave people to think about that because you do need to get to the the little pieces in the puzzle to deliver the bloody thing. So yeah, no, really good insights, Stu. Yeah. Yeah. If anyone wants to find out any more information on that event that you're organising, which one? Oh, the one with Sarah that you're saying you're organising. Uh, yeah, well, it, it's a workshop that we're putting together, mm -hmm. so it's um, it's not finished Sorry. yet. It, it's a work in progress, but it, I think it's going to be it's going to be really valuable mm -hmm. for for a lot of businesses because that that gap exists. I think it's important, yeah, just to bring it up, bring it to to the front. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll be sure to shout about yeah, it. Yeah, I'm it. sure you'll be all yeah, over yeah, LinkedIn. We'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> we, that for you. We might, we might be able to make a couple of bucks with this one, so it could be a good no, idea. Very cool. Oh, Stuart, as always, mate, been a pleasure just uh, chewing the fat a little bit today, just talking a bit about SaaS and the world of tech and um, some of the things we've learned along the journey. So thanks for coming on and sharing just a bit about your oh, background you. and history um, and what you've learned in the space. And I think there's some key takeaways there for people to really um, – Stop. Uh, you mentioned just stop, put the keyboard down and really dig in on the problem, understand it, understand even the niche. I think we'd go back to that world, yeah. um, your customer dig in there. And it is a business. And I think understand that there's many pieces to the puzzle, not just the technology. So really good having you on board. And make sure you've got enough money. <laughs> yeah, it's always cost more than you think. That's something, yeah. Um, or to put at the end, to to finish this episode off. So thanks, Stuart. Really appreciate it. We'll share it, obviously, um, your LinkedIn um, credentials as we share at the post. But yeah, appreciate you coming on, on board. Thanks, mate. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Stuart. Cheers, mate. See you next time.